This is One Giant Podcast, your source for all things New York football giants. Here are your hosts, Adam Armbrecht and Andy Makowitz. And with that, we are back, friends. After a one-episode absence for Andy Makowitz, I was uh, lucky enough to talk with Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast. I implore the listeners to check it out. It was a lengthy juicy jam-packed EP but more importantly we get Andy Makowitz back now the gruesome twosome the fearsome twosome other things along those lines how are you sir I am good and it is glad I'm glad to be back Adam that's for sure you're darn tootin', friend. It just wasn't the same without you. Now, before we dive into a couple of things, because uh, obviously I did talk with Scott a lot about off-season uh, topics for both the Jets and the Giants. So it was a real mixed bag uh, with him and a lot of fun to do. But we obviously are moving closer, a little over a month away from the start of the free agency period. So there'll be some things ramping up on the Giants' end of it. We'll start to, to understand who some of their targets are. And we want to talk philosophy about about the offseason free agency in the draft and how we think the Giants should approach it. But first, a little bit of news out there. Giants news and notes. I wanted to get your quick take on this. This could be possibly ground-shaking information. Boston radio host says, quote, don't sleep on New York Giants in Tom Brady sweepstakes. Uh, how excited are you for the New York football giants to sign Tom Brady this off season and, uh, and bring him in, obviously bench Daniel Jones, and then just go with the veteran for maybe a season or two in New York. Wait, and is he bringing Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels? Is it a package deal? Are we getting all three? Does the, the craft ownership group take over the Mara ownership or Tish ownership stake in the Giants? Like, what, what, what are the other key dominoes that, that are going to be falling in this groundbreaking rumor? Now, I'm scanning. I'm scanning. No. No, this will just be, uh, this will just be 53-year-old Tom Brady. That's what we get. Yeah, so, so if I'm hearing this correct, you don't sleep on it. Is is like the passive aggressive journalistic way to say I need someone to click on an article. <laughs> yeah, um, because there, there, there. It makes not only does it make little to no sense. It, it actually it would be unconscionable if the Giants did this, right? I, I, I think it would actually set the franchise back maybe five to seven years if they were to make a decision like that. Well, it's the kind of thing where, and it is, it, it's, a, it's a quiet time in the offseason. There are a lot of things to discuss, I think. Like, I think there's a lot of valuable content and, and you know, conversations you can have around your team in the NFL in the offseason. But then there's also the, like you said, I, I could really use someone to click on this article or I could really use someone to tune into my radio station. If I say Tom Brady, New York Giants, I'm guaranteed to get some traction here. So uh, that's a fun one. I was also thinking that the Giants could uh, – could sign Joe Montana. So I just thought maybe if all things being equal. That, that being the case, uh, that, that, that's, hey, that's us just having fun, friends. But the, we, we, we're going to move right into this free agency period, we'll call it, uh, and talk about specifically, obviously, the biggest name in terms of the Giants right now in the free agency market on our own team, and that's Leonard Williams. Free agency targets. Adam, I, I listened to your conversations that you were having previously about Len, Leonard Williams, and I, I got to say, you and I have some very differing opinions on how far we're willing to go to keep Leonard Williams. I heard 
the number 15 million thrown uh, about on the last podcast. And I just can't, I don't know what it is, Adam. I cannot get on board with that. That is way too rich for my blood in terms of, of what we're looking at. Well, listen, and you know, don't get me wrong. It is a big number. And I'm not, I'm not pot committed on bringing back Leonard Williams. I, I brought this up to Scott Mason and it's worth getting your take on it as well. Uh, you know, if you were a GM of the Giants, if you're Dave Gettleman and say the Giants fired him and brought in a new GM, and that new GM said, I'm not going to throw bad money after good or good money after bad. I did, I did the same thing with Scott. I said the phrase wrong. But, you know, I, I'm not going to bring back Leonard Williams because it's too much money to spend on him. I know we gave up a third and a fifth, and it could become a fourth if we resign him. I'm not going to do that. We're moving on. Most people would applaud that move from a new GM because you'd say, okay, a mistake was made by the organization, if that's what you want to acknowledge it as, and you're going to move forward and try to correct that. If Dave Gettleman came out and said the same thing, and he just said, hey, listen, at the time we, we were trying to win and rebuild, quote unquote, we thought it would be a valuable move to bring him in. At this point, given the contract it's going to cost us and who else is on the free agent market, the other moves that we can make to improve our team, I'm not going to bring him back. Fans would, would crucify him for it, right? It would just become another footnote to this disastrous move that Dave Gettleman made. And yet, if he did it, I would almost say, okay, great, fine. You know what I mean? If you, if you think it's ultimately a mistake, then acknowledge it and move on. It costs us a third-round pick, fine. Let's, let, it is what it is at this point, right? And let's move on with what we want to do in the offseason. How would you feel about that if, if Gettleman came out and said that? So I've got a better way of thinking about it. So I, I heard you give that scenario, and, and it's understandable, but I think there's a better way to, to think about this. And then I want to get your feedback thinking of it at a, at, through a different lens. Huh? Let's say that Leonard Williams was never a giant. Let's say that he stayed with the Jets or got traded to the Raiders and was an unrestricted free agent this year. And let's say the market said Leonard Williams was worth – $14 million a year, and you'd also have to move one of your fifth round pick, one of your fourth round picks into a fifth round pick. Would you make that investment in a free agent spending $14 million and bumping it down around in the draft to acquire Leonard Williams? Well, the four, the, really, the $14 million, that, that doesn't scare me off, I think, as much as it does for some other people. You know, I, I, you go around and you look at some defensive linemen stat lines, you can get into some numbers in and around those 12 and 11 and 13 million for guys that are productive and some of them play, you know, played out better than others. So the number doesn't bother me. You know, the shift in the draft pick is a little bit interesting, and it's obviously, you know, mid, quote, late round pick there going down. Um, again... And that is, it's a good, it is a good way to frame it. But my, my thing is more that it feels like people are getting hung up on, and rightfully so. You're getting hung up on what you gave up to get them. But when you go inside the numbers and talk about productivity, and we've said this before on the podcast, you know, I talked about it a little with Scott, about hurries and pressures and the impact that it has on the games. The great point that was made on that last, on that last discussion by Scott was, you go back to that Dallas Cowboys game, where Leonard Williams doesn't get any sacks, but on two on back-to-back -back series, when he hurries and pressures Dak Prescott, it forces them to punt the ball and it forces them to settle for a field goal. So, you, you know, the, those things are the, the stats that I'm looking at or the game tape that I look at and say, this is why this player is valuable. 
So, you know, I, I think the disconnect is about whether or not people think 14 or 15 million is too much. I don't know if it's the third round pick you gave up for him or it's the combination of those two things, but I think that Leonard Williams can be valuable to the team. So it is this weird spot that you're in. You know, I, I'm caught in between because at the same time, like I said, if, they, if my scenario played out and Gettleman said it was a mistake to give up those assets, we're going to move on from it, I could also understand it, you, you know? You know what it is? And I think the sentiment that I'm getting from Giants fans that don't want to re-sign him is, is, has a general theme to it. The, the general theme is we have a surplus of adequate players on defensive line that spending $15 million more million becomes more redundant in an area where we already like, don't need as much help as maybe some of the other areas on the field. When you talk about Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson and B.J. Hill, you know, we can draft a fifth or sixth rounder. You know, like we, we, can, we can put something together that still looks pretty serviceable. And th- the second piece of it is while we have – like if you want to say, yes, let's, go, let's get a surplus, we'll make that our absolute strength. This is what we're going to hang our hat on. We're, we're doing it with a guy that has a similar skill set to the other players already on that line. I would prefer – to go out and get a pass rusher that can create sacks. Now I know sacks are not the be all end all number, but when you think about guys like uh, Davian Clowney, I, I, I mean, he's going to be expensive. If they, if it was like for like Leonard Williams and Jadavian Clowney, 15 million each, which one would you want? I would want Jadavian Clowney. You know, if you told me Jason Pierre Paul, who's an unrestricted free agent, some may remember him uh, from a couple years ago. If you said we could get him for two years and, and $20 million, and, and all of a sudden I, I've got him for $5 million less than Leonard Williams and he can get pressures on the quarterback and get, actually get those sacks and show up in the stat book, I kind of like that better. I think it's more about needing a defensive end that can beat one-on-one uh, you know, right tackles, left tackles, and be able to sack the quarterback. That's fair. I mean, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of glossy history there, though, because I mean, you know, Jason Jason Pierre Paul was not quite getting to the quarterback in the latter stages of his career. You know, over the course of the last handful of years of his career. Now, the other other little part part of it too is that I think uh, has me hesitate in terms of not wanting to let Leonard Williams go per se. Is also age, right? You mentioned Davion Clowney, obviously has a little bit of injury history and a, and a couple of years older. You know, Leonard Williams is 25 years old, so it feels like you are also uh, still on the fringe cusp of the prime of his career, right? As opposed to some of these other players who have proven it, have a better track record maybe in terms of specific stats. And, and it's also okay, by the way, it's okay for you to say, I, I, I would rather invest the dollars in guys that, that do produce the stack stat line, stat, the sack stat line. You can... You can want that and then also still understand and value the fact that there's players that are going to get pressures and hurries, and that's valuable as well. So I, I can't dismiss that, that aspect of it. And you're right, if you, you know, depending on who you can get for those numbers, but I'll be very curious to see, you know, is Leonard Williams setting an unreasonable standard for himself saying he wants $15 million? Or are you going to hear that Jadavion Clowney signs a contract that's worth, worth closer to $20 million a year? And then you're saying, you know, do you, are you willing to spend $20 million on Jadavion Clowney to get him in the door on however long of a contract he's looking for at 27, 28 years old? Or are you looking to take, I would say in quotes, a chance on Leonard Williams and where he can go over the next, say, four or five seasons at a, at a you know, reasonable but $15 million 
a year annual salary. And by the way, by the way, too, a, a contract with any of these contracts, any of these players, where it's set up that the first three years are guaranteed, and then you can also move on from them, you know, before the fourth year if it wasn't working out. Or to your point, if you draft in more talent and it just plays out that some of these guys come along, Dexter Lawrence as you mentioned, specifically is a guy that I, that I loved, right, that really had a fantastic rookie season for us. One of the things that I will point to, and this really does go on both sides of the fence for you, Dexter Lawrence came out of the season, pro football focus, rated with a 76.1. Dalvin Tomlinson, who came on later in the season, 78.1. Leonard Williams graded out at a 70.6. So lowest among those three, and those are the kind of the, the main guys we have there across that line. Food for thought, over the last uh, eight games of the season, after we acquired Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson saw uh, just an extra half sack more, but also came away with 29 total tackles to 20 over the first eight games and ended up with 16 assists over the back half of the season as opposed to 10 in the first half. So you are also seeing the impact of a quality player along the line with Dalvin Tomlinson with Dexter Lawrence having an impact on how these guys can play and how they have access. Yeah. And I'm not, I, the, the thing is it, by me saying, you know, I wouldn't go up to 15 million on someone like Leonard Williams is not saying that he's not an impact player. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that he's not a good player. Uh, the way that I'm thinking about it is in an ideal world, I would love to re-sign Leonard Williams, but I think, when we start thinking about how much money it's going to cost and what we can do with those resources, knowing that Leonard Williams is now a free agent, he can sign with anyone. He's going to get what market value is unless he takes a hometown discount. You know, Vic Beasley of Atlanta is 28 years old. Vic Beasley had eight sacks this year. He's two, you know, he's a couple years older than Leonard Williams. He can get pressures on the quarterback. What's his market value? If you're saying he's going to get 10 to $12 million, you know, age isn't that much of a factor. He's still, you know, in the prime of his career for the next three or four years. Like th- those are the types of things that I'm thinking to myself is if we can get one of these other defensive and pass rushers that can put those stats up, I think you're going to see those same upticks with Dexter Lawrence and, and Dalvin Tomlinson. And it's just a reallocation of funds. So I think it, yep. it, there's a couple of different discussions. It, there's the, the camp that says Leonard Williams stinks because he doesn't sack the quarterback, Right. And then there's the camp of, well, no, he's a good player. It's just how much money are we willing to allocate for what he does when there's yeah. other things that we need people to do? Yeah, no, and that's fair. I think, I think camp one for me is, is a bit of lunacy, right? That, 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 well, let me put it this way. I think that camp one is uh, failing to see the forest for the trees, right? I don't see sacks, therefore he's not, he's not a good player. And I think that that's a very, a very basic approach to analyzing any player at any position to try to determine their value, where I think you are correct that how much money do we want to spend on a player like this? Because we've had these discussions as well, and we'll start to move into kind of our, our philosophy here a little bit on the offseason. Uh, you know, $15 million for Leonard Williams. We were saying if the Giants make a couple of moves, Ogletree, if we assume that they're not going to bring back Marcus Golden, now he doesn't have a big contract this year. Uh, but he would represent a larger number going into next season if we re-signed him. Uh, and then you talk about a couple other pieces, uh, you know, uh, the Antoine Bethes, the Red Ellisons of the, uh, of the world. Those moves get made. Giants get closer to $90 million in cap room. Uh, but we know they're not going to spend $90 million in the offseason, right? There's not $90 million with the free agencies coming in. So you, you think about, okay, maybe three really high-level players uh, – 
you know, we talked about Yannick Njoku and, and maybe him being a pursuit. I, I brought up Conklin or anyone along the offensive line potentially that could come in here and, and be an asset for us. And right there, you're already going to start to plug in, you know, 15 million here, 12, 15 million over there. And all of a sudden you're getting up to that 45, $50 million in free agency and that's going to cap it. So th- th- it'll be interesting to see how the Giants approach this offseason and where they allocate some of their cap room. And, yeah. and Adam, I think it goes hand in hand and, and kind of changing subjects is obviously we're talking about some of the different free agents in the cap space. It, it, there's this synergy, obviously, between the draft and, and who you're going to be targeting versus mm-hmm. what you go out and get in free agency. 2020 NFL Draft. So when you look at where the Giants sit in terms of, of the draft pick and they're, and they're sitting at number four today, you got to think what's going to be available for you in that position. What could be available if we trade down to gain assets? And, mm-hmm. you know, if we're targeting, say, two or three different guys in the draft, you know, maybe they're the same positional player. Maybe we understand what uh, is deep in that draft or, or what we really think will make an impact. The, the way that I'm thinking about it is, and this is my personal feelings and I want to get your feedback on it, is I think that the first round pick that the New York Giants make has to be an offensive tackle no matter what. I know that sounds very, you know, it's a sweeping statement, but whether we trade back to seven or 10 or 12 or we stay at four, it has to be an offensive tackle because there are so many good ones that are in this draft. And if you put that as your uh, North star of what you want to do in the draft, that should help figure out where we want to allocate these free agent dollars. I think I agree with you. I think that, Offensive tackle, obviously, most people would say, needs to be of paramount importance for the Giants. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about the Jack Conklin piece of this, and, and uh, I, have, I have a couple little stats on him that I can throw out there in a minute. Um, the, there's one piece for me right now. When you talk about the Giants sit at four, you mentioned there's so many talented offensive linemen in this draft. So one of the things that, that I think about when you're talking about off-season strategy is saying it's a combination of available free agents, how you want to allocate your funding, and then in the draft it's saying what are the, what are the deepest positions here, right? An easy one to take a look at when some people have talked about saying, oh, the Giants should uh, draft Judy at four. Now, it's silly for a couple of reasons. We have far more glaring needs, even though wide receiver is something I think we need to supplement. But it's also, this is a very deep wide receiver class. So you can wait and in the third or fourth, you know, fifth rounds, pick up a guy, not to say you're going to hit like Darius Slayton you did the previous season in the sixth round, but you can find a guy in later rounds because of how deep the class is. Likewise for offensive tackle, uh, I can make the case that you could come up there at the top of the second and still find a quality player to plug in uh, and help improve this offensive line. I'm totally comfortable with them going tackle at four, by the way, if they stay there. I'm totally comfortable with them trading down and still getting a tackle plus assets. That might be my most ideal scenario for the Giants is to back themselves down a few spots, give a team that wants to get their quarterback, and then find yourself at seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever the number is, still get a tackle, and then maybe get that third round pick back that you gave up, uh, you know, when you got Leonard Williams, which by the way, in in conjunction with that situation would all of a sudden make it a lot easier to maybe let Leonard Williams go. If you could replace that pick along with additional assets, by the way, in the draft and still replace the body as well. So that'll be interesting to watch. If the Giants stayed at four, the one player that I would be comfortable with them taking other than tackle would be 
Okuda. Uh, he, he is hands down the best cornerback in the draft. It is not a very deep position in this draft. So if you don't take a corner, maybe in that first round, if you had to on how high you value that need, you're not necessarily going to get a plug-in starter. All of the scouting on him says that he is top end, put him out there, lockdown type of corner that he can grow into in the NFL. And I think if you pair him with a player that I still like, and I think showed improvement into the year, Baker, you talk about Sam Beal, you'll see what happens with him, but you still need another body in that secondary unit to pair on the back end with love and whoever you bring in at safety to help him, you know, peppers will be there also. But I think that that would be the one move that I could really understand because I think it makes a huge leap forward on the defensive side of the ball. If you bring a piece like that in. So I, I don't know what it is today. There must be something in the water. I, I, I can't get on board with Akuda. I know that he is a great player. There's, I just have this stigma in the back of my mind saying, didn't we just do this last year? Didn't we just trade up in the first round to go get a cornerback? Because they said he was arguably someone that we needed. It was a position we needed strength at. And we're still developing him. Right, but, no, but nobody talked about Baker the way they talk about Okuda, just to be clear. Well, uh, I mean, Baker was talked about as, you know, for two and a half seasons at Georgia, basically nobody scored a touchdown on him. They mm-hmm. said it was like playing like Tecmo Super Bowl when, when, when he was out there. Yeah, very, very physical and, and, and was considered to be the best prospect in the draft. But difference between best prospect in the draft and what, the, you know, the talent level actually is. I get that. And yeah. so my, my thing is, there is only one scenario and one scenario only in which I do not want an offensive tackle. And that is the dream scenario. Oh, the dream, and Adam, let me tell you about the dream. Yeah, dream, dream, dream a little dream for me, Andy. So, so picture this with the first overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals take Joe Burrow. Mm. Then you have a wide variety of teams that need and are starved for quarterbacks yes there is conversations about how much the miami dolphins love tua so what if the dolphins move up to either you know let's say they they move up to two and they take tua at two and then at three you have the redskins sitting there and oh wait the dolphin uh the the chargers who have no quarterback right now Mm -hmm. are in love with justin herbert and they trade up to the third pick okay washington to take Justin Herbert, then and only then. Oh, oh yeah. yeah would yeah, I yeah, say yeah. that you can? You can. You <laughs> yeah, can go yeah. ahead, make the wild, make the wild move. Take a risk, New York Giants. Draft Chase Young. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind and take <laughs> Chase Young. And and uh, I think that would, that I mean that is my dream scenario. Obviously, I'm living in fantasy land, but yeah, it's one of those scenarios where you know he is a generational talent at a position of need where he can get to the quarterback. It's literally everything we talked about before. And uh, we don't need to wax on about Chase Young too much because it's never going to happen. Um, but, but that's but a nice, it's a nice dream though. It, it is nice, right? It, yeah. it gets you feeling warm and comfortable, but that, that to me is literally the only scenario that I see that we can't, that we shouldn't take an offensive tackle because man, if you know, we talk about Daniel Jones's fumbling problems. Yeah. A lot of that is on him, but a lot of it is being able to have enough time to get the ball out. And oh, uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we drafted an offensive lineman, and I, I think this is something that people forget. It, it, uh, whatever it is, it's because it's not a sexy pick. They don't carry the ball. They don't spike the ball. They don't do touchdown dances in the end zone. But they literally do three things very, very well for you. They help the running back 
gain more yards, right? Hmm. A good offensive lineman will be able to engage a defensive end or, or a defensive lineman, push them back, and allow an extra yard or two before contact for the running back. The second thing they do is they allow the quarterback more time in the pocket. More time in the pocket means he can go through his progressions and his different reads. It also means that he's not scrambling out and the play's breaking down quite as fast. That is, that is tremendous for, for a second-year quarterback going in. The third thing it does is it actually makes your wide receivers better. It gives them more time to get open. They can go further down the field. It can extend plays. We can get further deep balls being thrown by Daniel Jones. It, it allows them to get more time for separation. So when you say Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard uh, or Darius Slayton maybe isn't a, a number one wide receiver, an offensive tackle that can give the quarterback more time makes them a better player inherently. Oh, 100%, man. And listen, like I said, if it comes off, the Giants sit there at four and you're, the dream within a dream doesn't play out, and, and the Giants take an offensive tackle, to, you know, whoever you want it to be now because all of these bodies are really jumping around there at the top of the draft, uh, that's fine. I, I'm going to love it, by the way. You know, I, I, I love building the offensive line. I love fixing the offensive line. I hope that's the, the main thing that the Giants accomplish between the offseason and the draft is fixing the offensive line. Um, you know, and if you talk about, I know we can say fans have kind of barked back at me a little bit about the Jake, uh, the Jack Conklin signing in free agency and that being a priority for the Giants. By the way, he was the fifth rated in, uh, in, rushing, in rushing percentages, 91% success rate on engagement on, rush, on rushes for the Tennessee Titans. He was 49th rating out in terms of percentage on pass efficiency that actually isn't as bad as maybe it sounds like 49 sounds like a bad number it's actually basically slightly above average league average so this guy is an all-star at one thing and then above average at another that's a really quality combination and at the right age again this almost speaks to your point of if you if you signed him in free agency and then you drafted a tackle and then in the third round say you went and got yourself a new center as well all of a sudden you are talking about rebuilding that offensive line having the youth having stability across it and being able to move forward with some level of confidence there and we don't have to go i don't need to defend the conklin piece i'll be curious to see how that plays out in free agency well adam Uh, yeah let me let me throw you one more hypothetical oh okay if you had $15 million that you could allocate to either Jack Conklin or – Oh, it's Conklin. Yeah, it's Conklin. It's not even a question? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Because I think – because, again, uh, and this is why I say I like Leonard Williams as a player. I think that the situation that he is in with the Giants, unfortunately, makes it difficult, including it by, his own, uh, by his own function, asking for that much money. And if you told me you can either have a player – that does have value because by the way one of the things um one of the things that we looked at too was this idea that Leonard Williams and the defensive and Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson all of these players everyone on, on the defensive side of the ball they will get better collectively as you elevate the talent right so as you get rid of Antoine Bethea because he was on the back end of his career and you bring in someone better suited to be a quote contributor on this defense as you bring in another cornerback through the draft through free agency however you choose to do it it's going to make uh, it's going to make DeAndre Baker better it's going to make Sam Beal better it's going to make Peppers and Love better at the back end so as the team gets better everyone starts to rise whether you know rising tide raises all boats so from that standpoint, that's why I think Leonard Williams can still have a lot of value for this team and why I kind of hedge on the fence of saying what, what I think we should do with him. That being said, 
we do have talent when you talk about Dexter Lawrence, talk about Dalvin Tomlinson, and then you can look to free agency to get some edge rushers there as well. And like you said, maybe if the contract was right for a slightly older player that can come in and you can, you know, give them 20 million over two years of JPP scenarios, you know, some player along those lines, then you still save yourself an extra 5 million a year and you can use that somewhere else on the offensive side of things. Remmers was underperformed. He's gone. You know that Zeitler was solid. We know that center was underperforming for us. We know what happened at left tackle with Nate Soldier. So 15 million, if I got to pick, if I got to pick one guy, Conklin is easily the player that I, that I make that move for, because again, he guarantees you plug him in. He means stability. And just like you said, he means opening up plays for Saquon Barkley, especially in that run game. Think about him paired alongside Zeitler, who had a fantastic fantastic year for us against an underperforming Remmers. Now, all of a sudden, this, the right side of your line becomes a power point for you. And if you want to do play action and roll out, by the way, which way does Daniel Jones roll out because he's a right-handed quarterback? He's going to roll out of the pocket to the right. It's the easier side to throw to. Wouldn't you rather have more stability and strength on that side of the offensive line? So, you know, again, I know I'm getting a little bit bullish on this, and I, I really kind of want to drive that point home maybe to fans to say, like, the, the, the trickle-down effect, just like you mentioned about going tackle early in the draft and how that's going to improve things, that's the trickle-down effect of Jack Conklin. He improves the run game. He gives Daniel Jones more time. He gives receivers more time. And everything starts to grow from there. And then if you get someone in the draft, now they build together because Conklin is still young enough where you're going to get this beautiful four- or five-year run where the offensive line is going to be glued together without having to have any turnover. So, Yeah, I, I mean, uh, as we talked about before, I'm not as high on Conklin as, as you are. Um, but I, I mean, it would be an indictment if I didn't say that he would improve the offensive line. Like that's not, that's not even, even a question. I just, it's all about the allocation of funds and where we think we can use them and, and where it's best spent. I, I think there's probably. But if they, okay. But then where say, say there's three guys, right. And let's just say roughly it's 15 million a man, right. And it breaks out. However, it breaks out. You're going to get, say you're going to get three players in free agency for 15 million. Where do you want to spend that money that, that Conklin doesn't end up at le- in the consideration of one of those three spots that you're going to spend money on? I want to throw $15 million at Shaq Lawson. I want to throw, you know, if he's not available, you know, what are we looking at for Jadavian Clowney? What are we looking at? For- uh, I, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, a, that's a really big risk with Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, but he, he is such an impact player. That to me, I, I get it. I, I know. Yeah, the juice I, is worth the squeeze, mm-hmm. you know, the squeeze okay. on, on something like that. So when I'm the, the way that I'm thinking about it is, if we're going to be spending 15 million uh, on a defensive end or somewhere around there, then what I want to do is I want to invest in someone that really changes the game. Like that, it, to me, is the most important piece of it. And you think, and you think a legitimate high end starting right tackle doesn't change the game. Well, I mean, I don't think that he's I don't I don't look at Jack Conklin as necessarily a high end right tackle. I think of him as a good right tackle. He's the best he's the best right tackle available in free agency. He, he Just is, to be clear. He he is. But, so he he's, he's the he's the hands down best right tackle available in free agency. It's not a Nate Soldier scenario where it's, you know, best left tackle available on the market and you know that you're gonna over like grossly overpay for him. Like he's hands he he's hands down the best guy out on the market for the position that you specifically have a hole on your roster for. 
Yeah, I mean, t- to me, the the question mark is whether Joe Judge can get anything out of out of your best friend Nate Soldier, um, and and where he sees his fit in. Is he going to cut him and just take the dead cap hit? Is he going to try to say I can work with him at left tackle? I saw it be successful in New England. Here's how we're going to do it. Or does he do what I've kind of suggested all along and move Nate to right tackle and go draft your offensive tackle of the future in the first round? I think uh, yeah. I, I, get, I get that, but, but you're talking about moving him over to the right tackle position. So you're telling me the guy that was god awful, now he can be like I you know it's like I know the money's being paid to him, so you know try to make it work and, and calmly let me say. That's one of the things I had a discussion uh, on Twitter about this of saying, I don't know how Joe judge feels about Nate soldier. And because that obviously is going to impact what the giants look to do here. If Joe judge comes in and says, you know, I know him from new England and go back to the press conference where he says, I want to put players in the best position to excel at what they do well. And that may mean that he could look at tape and say, right, well, schematically, Nate Soldier wasn't going to do well with what the Giants were trying to do last season. If we make some adjustments here, Nate Soldier can do the things that he is good at, still at a proficient level, and be a valuable asset. So there is that element to it. But if what you're telling me is what everyone agrees was a total disaster bringing in Nate Soldier, and what everyone agrees statistically was awful performing, especially last season for the Giants, and you want to say is, let's move him over to right tackle. Why not? Why not put him over at right tackle where he can underperform over there? And then he'll be the problem we have at right tackle this upcoming season. So I don't, there's, I do not see a scenario where you can say the solution to our problem at left tackle is moving him somewhere else. I understand it's not a high, as high profile position on the line, but in a big picture kind of scenario here, you're not improving. You're moving a detriment from one side of the line to the other, and you're foregoing bringing in a better option there. If you want to go that route of it of trying to figure things out, even if you don't bring in Conklin in free agency, I'll give Nick Gates the opportunity at right tackle. I'll draft the left tackle, and I'll let him play Nate Soldier out in the offseason and in, in training camp and beat him out for the starting job. And then Nate Soldier can be one of the highest-paid backups in the NFL because I'm not gifting him a starting job on the offensive line. It's unconscionable. Uh, I, I think I, – I, okay, so let's take a step back. You, you feel very passionately about our good friend, friend of the show, Nate, right? Yes, yes friend, 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 friend of the friend, podcast. Friend, he's going to be on. He's coming on very soon. Yes. Now, I, I think what, what you're suggesting is that Nate is who he will be. And no matter where we put him on the field, he is going to perform the same way. And that is the logic that got us in this mess to begin with. Because he was in New England as left tackle. And Tom Brady does short, quick out passes to people like Julian Edelman. So it makes Nate look better. The other players around Nate on the offensive line of New England were better. So inherently, he looks better. And we said, it's going to be the same thing no matter what we do. Let's plug him in at left tackle over here, and we're going to be great. And it has been a failure. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that he clearly showed that he had some semblance of being a, a decent offensive lineman in New England. Mm-hmm. how can we replicate those similar things? And when you move someone from left tackle to right tackle, right tackle is... You learn a, you learn a totally different position where your muscle memory is completely reversed. Right, but you don't like his muscle memory to start at left tackle right now. So like, but that's my point, though. I don't like his muscle memory at left tackle. Why am I going to go put him over at right tackle and say, use the muscle memory that you don't have 
to try and be good over here. Because what it? Why wouldn't you do that? Like the only other alternative. Why would I do it? I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you a scenario right here. Nate Soldier's going to make nineteen and a half million in twenty twenty and twenty and a half million in twenty twenty one. If the Giants moved on from Nate Soldier before the start of the season, they would have to pay thirteen million in dead cap money, but would save twenty seven million over the next two years. That's that. That's the answer. You cut them. You sit. You take the hit this year, and you save yourself twenty-seven million over the next two seasons. So my understanding is that if you were to trade him or release him mid-season, that doesn't impact the dead money for the next couple of years. But I could be wrong. No, no, and that's fair. And you and you could do that to save those. You know, to save that to save the dead cap hit and, that, and that's fine if you want to go that route and again though that's me painting the picture where this is a guy that is getting beat out in in training camp and he is a glorified backup that's getting paid way too much money and then you move on from him at some point during the year but it's still the same scenario where Nate Soldier should not be starting for us on the offensive line well we'll agree to disagree I like to reallocate yep. resources and, and see if it works and if it doesn't work great then we've exhausted all of our options and then we okay, we'll okay. Well, you know yeah no and listen obviously we know that I have strong opinions about Nate Soldier and I don't think there's anything unreasonable about what you're saying because again go back to the Joe Judge piece he may look at him and say there's no way that this guy is as bad as tape has shown over the last couple seasons maybe he's regressed in some areas of his game but we can still utilize his talent and it, 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 i'll say it here and now if they make the move with him over to right tackle and he plays it out and he has a good season fantastic if they keep him at left tackle and joe judge does things differently schematically and he's able to hold up quote unquote and we draft an offensive tackle that's learning behind him and pushing for the job that may be the case and i'll eat a little piece of crow you know that's totally fine we're not above these aren't hot takes. You know what I mean? These are legitimate discussions about what I think the Giants need to do to be successful. And if it turns out that they stick with him and he has a solid or even average year, I will, of course, acknowledge that I was wrong in terms of where I thought he was at this point of his career. But what I will say is that if you move him over to right tackle, then you're also acknowledging too, which is a, this, this is, a, is a footnote. You know, Nick Gates had played so well for you in this sample size that he gave us this last season I really feel like he's a player that deserves the opportunity to compete for a starting job. Now you can move Nate Soldier over right tackle and still have Gates compete with him and maybe Gates wins out. And then it's the real proof in the pudding, right? You try to move Nate Soldier, it still doesn't work. And now you know for sure that he's washed up, right? Yeah, I I agree with that. And that's, that's my logic behind it. I think, uh, drafting an offensive tackle, I you know my man crush on Tristan Wirfs right now. Uh-huh. It, it, it's real, and, and hopefully it's happening at number four. He sits uh, around there kind of like as the third-rated tackle. And I don't, I'm don't i not saying that negatively, but it's weird because Thomas was like automatically, then he kind of rotated down. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's so interesting. I think these guys are so closely grouped together that it's based on just personal preference of who you think you, know, you want to have there. Some of it is a little bit of um, long-term pers- projection and growth. You know, some guys are maybe a little bit less talented initially, but can develop into it. And then I think some guys can have the immediate impact. They're going to be as close to their high level right out the gate. And Worth is one of those players from a, from a prospect standpoint. Yeah, there's the, to me, there's clear-cut four offensive tackles. Well, to, to me, it's three, but they're including four. Uh, you know, you have uh, Jedrick Willis of Alabama. You have mm-hmm. Justin Worth of Iowa, who is, is my, like I said, my man crush. You have Andrew Thomas uh, of the offensive tackle at Georgia. And the guy that, that keeps creeping up boards is Becton, 
the offensive tackle from Louisville. I mean, a yeah. couple of drafts had him going inside the top 10, which <laughs> ahead of ahead of Tristan Wirfs, which I think is is unbelievable to me. And he's one of the players that is, they said, like, you know, will develop. You know what I mean? And I, when you talk about the fourth overall pick or, you know, that high draft pick, and we, we've been bitten by this bug before where the Giants have drafted anywhere in the draft where it says, you know, raw talent. Uh, you know, think about, uh, think about Eric Flowers if you want. That was a raw talent that just right. needed to be coached into the position. And I, it doesn't mean that any of these players are going to be bad, but it just makes me go like, oh, no, like, don't do it. I've had, I've had too many scenarios where raw athleticism turns into guy that doesn't play football well. Yes, that, that turns into athletic guy that doesn't understand how to play football. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and so for me, you know, really Thomas, Willis, and worse. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'd sign up for any of those three, and they would immediately improve our, our team. And I think if you take one of those offensive tackles and you have Nate and you have Nick Gates – and you work those three for two tackle spots, you know, mm-hmm. you could start Nate at left tackle. If you really do see things in the offseason improvement, Joe judge gets the best out of him. Um, and you can start your left tackle, the future at right tackle to ease him into the speed of the NFL. And then if clearly it doesn't work with Nate, then we can move, you know, our future, you know, whichever one of the three offensive tackles over to left tackle. And then you can make the decision. Do we want to just cut Nate altogether or do we want, to put him at right tackle, or do we want Nick Gates in there, right? Yeah. Like that, that, that to me seems like the simplistic way to do it, and that'll allow us more money to potentially go out and get a cornerback in free agency, right? It could, it could allow us to go get a, a safety if we really wanted one and, and you think that you, you need help along, alongside Pepper. So there, there are qu- a quite a few different scenarios that that would lend itself to, and that's more the way that I'm thinking about allocating money in free agency. Yeah, and, you know, the cornerback piece is an interesting component in free agency. Uh, I don't know if we, we talked about it on the podcast or not. I know you and I have discussed it uh, about, you know, Janoris Jenkins. You signed him to that contract at that time. It doesn't pan out because the Giants are, are on the way down at that point. So you end up paying high dollars for a player at a, pre, at a premier position that you only really need when you're making those deep playoff runs and looking to get wins in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's a bit of a swing and a miss. There are names out there that you can go after. The kid Bradbury down in Carolina is, is probably one of my favorites. His age is, you know, the age is right there. Uh, obviously, there's been some rumors. Darius Slayton caught out there on social media uh, talking to Slay, saying, uh, you know, come and get me. But uh, he's also been knocking, knocking around saying that, you know, he's probably looking for upwards of $20 million a year. So, again, value versus the cost that you're paying for some of these positions in free agency. You know, it, to kind of wrap, to tie a bow on a little bit of this, it, it'll be interesting because we talked about positional depth in the draft. Offensive line is obviously there. Now, from a tackle standpoint, I do I, I agree with you. If you go tackle early in the draft, I love it. I'm going to be super excited about it. Now, the back end of it is a little bit tricky for me when you talk about starting Nate Soldier, seeing what happens. If not, then you move the draft pick in there. If you're going to have growing pains what did we talk about last year right took so long to get some of the young players onto the field for the Giants some of them started immediately but then a player like Julian Love took a long time for you out there position change for him understandable but there were a number of components where you said I just want to see these young guys play let's get them out on the field let's give them the opportunities and even though you're going to be learning a system I sometimes am a little bit of the baptism by fire approach especially as a left tackle if you're going to draft in work say you get worse wouldn't you rather see Wirfs just starting at left tackle to open the season? Like, isn't that what you want to see as a, not only a Wirfs fan, but as a Giants fan? Boom, there's your left tackle. 
We no longer have questions about it. He may have some developmental pains and growing pains, but you know that it's leading to the best case scenario of the line getting better. If Nate Soldier starts out there, all of a sudden you go, well, the first couple of weeks, right? And maybe it costs us a game, right? Maybe he gives up a couple of those big sacks like he did this past season, and it costs us a win here or there. It, it costs a fumble for Daniel Jones because his line side isn't being protected as well as it could be. And then by the week three or four, you say, now we're going to make that switch. All right, you may have cost us a win there. And this is, the, this is a season where the Giants, you know, it's not about, well, we're probably going to be pretty bad, so let's just be bottom of the barrel and get a top five draft pick. This is a year where you want to see the team improving overall and fighting to get to six, seven, dare my dream within a dream of approaching 500, a 500 record, you know, and that's going to be hard, but it's going to take young talent coming along in order to accomplish that. So that's a little bit of the piece too in and around Nate soldier. And you can even say it has less to do with him and more to do with just the team needs to get younger. It needs to get better across the board here. And sometimes it takes making the difficult decision and, and just saying, hey, this is it, right? We need to move on. New regime, new process, new players. L- l- you know, let's get ourselves going here. You know what, Adam? I think I have our new strategy. Here we go. The offseason, you can write it down, lock it in. Okay. Three key moves. One, sign Jason Pierre-Paul. Two, sign <laughs> free agent Eli Apple. Three, mm. <laughs> free agent tight end Larry Donnell. <laughs> and, and let's recreate some good magic that, that we had before those players absolutely combusted in New York. Fantastic. Well, I thought it was going to take us more in the offseason to figure this out, but it turns out, friends, we're done. We're talking about maximum maybe $20, 22000000 million in free agency cap room. We're going to sit on that other 58 to $65 million and we charge ahead, friends. Uh, listen, we'll, we'll cap it. We'll cut it off there. It is, uh, it's a birthday boy on the show today. Andy Makowitz, happy birthday. Good, sir. You had a, a lovely time with your family this morning. I want you to get back to some work related things, but also get back to the, to the missus and young baby Rory to enjoy some of your big day. Yeah. Big day, big Valentine's day. Um, got the, uh, got the wife, some flowers, said hello mm. to the baby this morning. And Adam, you know, I always tell this to people. The funny thing about being born on Valentine's Day is it's generally one of only two days of the year where you need to buy a gift for somebody else. Yeah, well, and as somebody who uh, every handful of years my birthday falls on Thanksgiving, it's, you know, one of those occasions where one of those days where everyone shows up and they don't say happy birthday. They say, where's that turkey? You know, there's always something. (laughs) There's something else just behind the birthday boy. So I'm assuming this morning. Kelly, you know, you guys woke up happy. The baby's there. And Kelly said, did you get me anything? (laughs) See, Adam, I'm smart. I now plan ahead and get all the Valentine's Day stuff done the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, She gets the flowers and the chocolates and and everything the day before mm. so that we can move past it on the actual day. (laughs) So that we can. (laughs) I I think it's a little bit. Right, right. So we can just get beyond that, if you don't mind. I need to – there's something else happening tomorrow that's a little bit more important. Uh, th- that being the case, happy birthday to Andy Makowitz. We move on from this one. This was uh, this was a really fun one, man, a little bit longer than we've been doing recently, but I think when the content is worthy of it, you don't want to shortchange anybody. So I'm glad that you, that you got back on here and we were able to have this more deep dive on it because I think unlike some of the other episodes – this time here, we really, we really got back and forth on the, on the tackle scenario here. I really, I finally really lost my cool about Nate Soldier. So I'm excited to see where we end up come Monday morn as we break down the One Giant Podcast first NFL mock draft. 
And as always, let's go Big Blue. You can follow Adam and Andy at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. This has been One Giant Podcast.